Welcome to Oops All Apocalypses, a show where we explore the collapse of society by playing fun tabletop role-playing games. Today, I'm joined by two people I know. Just know now. Just know. That's it? That's all we get these days? I've met them. We keep getting demoted, and I'm okay with it. I know. I know. Hey everyone, I'm Brady, and I play Book McCready, a sleuth who is just beginning to learn uh, the power that information can hold over people. And I'm Jacob, and I'm playing Ocean, a gentle giant who, despite getting a special ability that's rationalized by him being well aware of his own size, is clearly not at all aware of his own size. Because you bumped into Pistachio Jones. Because I bumped Jones. into Pistachio Jones and started this whole mess we're in right now. Plowed right through him. Just knocked him right off his feet. You deserve that shotgun blast to the shin. I really did deserve that shotgun blast to the shin. I'm sorry, Book. I don't know what I was thinking. <laughs> Stu was very generous by by sending that your way instead of mine. Yeah, it could have been to you. You would have taken like three. I would have. Taken I think we'd be yeah. in a bookless You'd situation. You'd be halfway dead right now. Yeah, I'd be more than halfway dead. So let's quickly jump in, so we can get back to the cliffhanger of Ocean falling into another one of his visions. Let's handle our relationship questions to make you two fall in love. We're well, like a sixth of the way through these, so we really gotta pace them out for the rest of this arc. <laughs> Canonically, books in love with, um, with Spade. Spade so, now? Yeah. Sorry. Okay. No longer close to I'm off the table. Yeah. That was quick. Yep. This is another good one. I think they're gonna keep getting better and better, because the whole concept behind this is that they kind of start very surface level. Like, we had those early ones that were like, who would you like as a dinner guest? That are easy to talk about, but then it dives into your psyche. But again, we're only like a sixth of the way before we get to those real deep ones. Well, yeah, you can't kick off like a burnishing relationship with like, what is your biggest fear and your most embarrassing story ever? Rank your five biggest traumas. Right. <laughs> Our question this week is, if you were able to live to the ripe old age of 90 and retain either the mind or body of a 30-year-old, peak physical condition 30-year-old, that's not true, my back hurts so much, for the last 60 years of your life, which would you want? So this is saying that when you hit the age of 30, for the last 60 years of your life before you die on your 90th birthday, would you rather have the mind or the body of that 30-year-old? This is the easiest question the book has ever answered. It's mind. Hmm. No, no elaboration. Interesting. Well, it's just like, where would he be without it? That's really all he's got. Like his body, it's not like he's freaking stunting on anyone with his abs. Yeah, but for Book, the way you're going to die is certainly going to be to due to your body. Mm -hmm. So at least if you could nail down that 30-year-old body, you still have Book's brain. Like, you got that smart brain. Yeah, it may start deteriorating a little as you get older, but having a 30-year-old body when you're 90 is pretty pretty impressive. You'd be able to outsmart and outwrestle all the people your same age. Nah, because you know what's going to happen? Season 2 is going to be we jump forward 50 years, Book 75, and he's all, like, gristled and old. And he's going to have like a sharp fucking mind and it's going to be super impressive. Okay. That checks out. <laughs> Ocean, same question. So Ocean has the opposite, I think, answer that like Book's going to have. Yeah. I think every time you guys have been complete opposite. No, neither of for... us wanted to be famous. Book just wanted to yeah, be semi-remembered. For Ocean, since his job and everything he does and his livelihood is entirely based on being strong, he's going to want to be staying tough and fit and spry for as long as he possibly can because otherwise he doesn't have anything left his mind at 30 is not the sharpest tool in the shed already <laughs> take away his strength he's 
just kind of a little cripple guy that no longer can fend for himself. The problem is, Jacob, that you don't actually know how sharp Ocean's mind. Like, he could That's be a true. fucking genius. He just doesn't remember it. Like, Perhaps all of the we'll things not. that he used to know are gone. Yeah, especially your 30-year-old mind is like two years ago, so maybe that's before you <laughs> forgot everything. That's true. Maybe he'll wake up one day after a flashback and look the book and say, Book, you are so dumb. <laughs> so I'm going to go with, for Stu's answer, which everyone always clamors for, I'm going to somewhat surprisingly, I guess, go for the body one, just because I like your mind isn't going to deteriorate that much especially with modern medicine and things like that. I feel like, especially from 30 to 90, for most of those 60 years, I'm going to still have my mind I'm pretty happy with. But bodies hurt and ache constantly yeah, that's and all sorts of things. And especially if you read it very literally, I would not like to be stuck with my 30-year-old mind for 60 years. I want to get smarter. I want to be better. Oh, you're taking that in the that. literalist fashion. Yeah, I'm taking it. I'm going to alienate whoever i was asking who was asking me this question <laughs> and say well well actually if you listen to the direct text of the question oh my god are you a literalist for the that. bible written by our cool friend jesus as well our cool friend jesus meant everything he said in the literal fashion no i i, I i'm the opposite i think it's literally all figurative <laughs> literally all of it is figurative in some way i don't think he really cursed that tree i just think that was his way of telling us that figs are not very good food <laughs> i really like i want to think that's true i really want to think that's true it's just got just our cool friend jesus was just like i really hate figs and i want it to come off very obvious to whoever's reading it that i just do not like figs yeah i can't think of a better way of doing it Without being like all in your face about it. like you could have wrote just like don't eat figs, but then it's not really an exciting story though. Yeah, exactly. I think he, he nailed it. He knew what he was doing. So we're this is our eighth episode, is that right? Sure. Any confirmation from my fellow listeners? <laughs> sure. Yeah. But we really recorded like three before that. So this is like a good solid ten ish. I'm good at math. I think we could take a quick retrospective, and I may cut this out since we definitely want to jump back to the action. But I wanted to ask you guys how are you liking Apocalypse World? Because it's both of your first times playing Apocalypse World. I know, Brady, you don't have a big, wide swath of things to compare it to, but you can compare it to the most popular game of tabletop role-playing variety, which is Dungeons and or Dragons. So I, I'm pretty positive on Apocalypse World. I've always kind of... I initially, when I first started playing RPGs, was really into like the crunch. I wanted that crunch. The hard rules. I wanted the Pathfinder first edition levels of min max building my character to the exact degrees that I want with rules for everything, every single thing I could possibly do. But the more I've played, the more my brain is just become mush and is not able to remember have these rules. And uh, the more I've kind of enjoyed the storytelling aspect of RPGs. And I think Apocalypse Port World and all powered by apocalypse games with some exceptions of course uh are really good at just sticking with a theme and really making you feel like you're in that setting really any apocalypse world game if you took the settings or tried to homebrew anything like away that setting kind of fall apart like they're built around whatever setting that the systems are adjusted for so I really like it. I like the storytelling opportunities it has. I like the way that it builds uh, a really clear setting for the GM to use. And 
on the GM side of things, I really like the fact that pretty much you can do pretty much anything with the rules and it lets you do it. Yeah, I don't even have dice. I just come up with stuff. It's way easier than the D&D. I just sit back here, come up with bullshit and hope it works out. <laughs> yeah, one of the things, uh, so I, I, to answer your question, I really like Apocalypse World. I think it's awesome. One of the things I really like about it is that it's a little bit less math intensive. And I think that it also has uh, really good mechanisms for um, judging your success. Like the D&D, the, um, the sliding scale of your... I, I, your DC, I guess it's your like dice challenge or whatever the fuck it's called. Difficulty challenge. That sliding scale I find frustrating because there's stuff that like you should absolutely just be able to do that they make you roll for. And I like that in yeah. that in this realm, this world, this game, that you don't have that limitation. On the flip side, I do think that that opens up the option to be a lot more improv he- heavy, which I think is great for us. I think it's a little bit more difficult like in D&D you're like okay I can I have moves I have very specific moves very more specific skills which which kind of help you as far as figuring out like how to how to respond to certain situations but as somebody who likes to play things in sort of a non-conventional way Apocalypse World uh you know really allows me to lean into that I love it I've enjoyed running this uh I think it's much easier i guess it depends on your skill set but it's a much lighter cognitive load on me than something like running a module from pathfinder where i'm sitting there and going this is this monster with the undead wrapper on it that needs all of these additional immunities and things like that like i just come up with like everything you guys fight has like three or four attributes that are important and nothing else yeah and it's all the sort of thing i can track pretty much in my head too my notes for this game are incredibly light <laughs> yeah where it's like and okay i know how like the uh the mole monster you guys fought i knew how much damn harm you'd have to do to kill it i knew what armor it had and i knew a couple different attacks it could do and how much harm they would do to you and that was it that's all i had to worry about and then all my other brain could focus on what creepy things would it do how would it react in these situations stuff like that without having to look at a list of potential stats and skills and things like that. I was just going to say, for as much as... Because I love the mythical medieval setting that D&D often has. Like, that is my bread and butter. I love that shit. Um, But maintaining, like, your spell book and having spell slots at different levels, like, it really kind of bogs you down. And I miss miss that sort of really um, baked-in sort of supernatural element that you have in D&D that kind of fantasy element with, with the spells and everything I, I I do enjoy that quite a lot so I miss that here but the really cool thing that I've enjoyed playing this game with Stu is that he's been able to bring that in kind of bit by bit and I can see the world becoming more and more mystical and more mythical more fantastic yeah, exactly yeah and I, I think it's definitely feasible during the infinite run of this podcast we're going to record until we die that we do switch to like a more fantasy system you could definitely experience an apocalypse in that way like the world ended no one's been around for so long that people have started rebuilding in a much more fantasy-like element yeah and there's some moves. radiation causes dwarves there's some moves that yeah. we can steal from other playbooks that would allow us to uh be a little bit more be yeah. a little bit well, more we, we could play something like dungeon world which is a powered by the apocalypse game that is just straight up fantasy it's like the D D version of apocalypse world and there are other ones that are like that too there's one that's kind of more lord of the rings focused 
that's gonna be a while though that's like 40 episodes in the future so don't get excited or worried if you like or dislike that idea 40 episodes in the future but 50 years in the past yes exactly or maybe you'll make it to the surface and there's just an elf there this one goes hello he says ahoy ahoy i'm uranius whisper whistle and you're like oh that has to be an elf well let's get back to the action Last time, you all were in a somewhat of a standoff between Pistachio Jones and his men, representing Hickory Fleek. Uh, you guys arrived, a rove, with your battery of exchange that was supposed to level the playing field, make him leave you alone for at least a little bit. But you decided to potentially call in for some reinforcements and make a dramatic stand here that the town is done being pushed around by Hickory and his men and that you need a more equitable exchange of goods and services for the society that you live in. You made an impassioned plea over Johnny Hertz's radio, and you got nearly a handful of people to show up <laughs> and back you up. Your impassioned plea brought out a handful of people from the town. The only ones you recognize are the two Chaos Cultists and Callista Furnace's boyfriend. You do see Juniper like a distance away, leaning up against the bar, kind of checking out the situation, looking maybe a little bit worried. And then there are about three or four more townspeople that uh, you either know or don't know very well, who may just be there to check out what's happening, but look like there's at least some backing behind you. And I'm assuming that more are going to show up as this continues. Well, we'll see. And Book was making his final impassioned plea towards Pistachio Jones, where he finally stood up for the town people, demanded some more equality, and he looked over at Ocean for some backup and saw a not-too-familiar-but-somewhat-familiar vision of Ocean's eyes clouding over as he stands there. And Ocean, we're going to kick off by you experiencing All right. a vision. Not at the best moment, which is my favorite time to make them happen. The worst possible moment for a vision. Let me check and see here. When I checked off. Because I somewhat forgot. I chose a green and beautiful garden, tantalizing, somehow denied to me or out of reach. And for the person, I chose... Someone impersonally violent bearing the tools of their violence. You're standing there looking at Pistachio Jones. You have that shotgun in your hand, not kind of held up or threatening in any way, but you have it ready to go. You look and see Book walking up with this car battery to exchange to try to make some sort of gesture of goodwill, and your vision just slowly fades, and you just can't fight it. You just kind of... Your, this darkness starts encroaching on you and then it just snaps and you're aware and you feel wind rushing through you as you're rappelling down this thin, slick tunnel deep into this darkness below you. You look and there's this glowing green light just reflecting off of the edges and you know exactly where you're going. Uh, you, you're gaining more and more speed as you go down at a very concerning rate um, and a little bit before the bottom comes up to you, you push on some mechanism and this lock slams into place against this thick chain that you're sliding down and it grinds you to a halt about two feet above the ground and you unlatch it clunk down you have these thick metal boots on that you don't remember wearing ever but they push the dust away into the air and in this cloud you look up 
and you're in this strange room of this green glowing light. You see this huge metal door and there's this loud klaxon just constantly humming, honking, what's the noise? <laughs> Klaxoning. This, uh, this loud klaxon ringing in your ears. You can barely hear anything else. And then you see a group of people that are not familiar to you, but they are decked out with very impressive weaponry. You see uh, several of them have like assault rifles. The one closest to you has like a very advanced looking submachine gun, nice, well-maintained, cool scope on it, all that sort of thing. He's got a little red red dot that you see shine up up against your chest. And you were not expecting these people here. What do you think Ocean would have done in this situation? You're not really in control of this vision, but I'd like to know. From what I remember of Ocean's previous vision, I think Ocean would throw up his hands and ask what's going on. Okay, you don't throw up your hands. That's what you think was going to happen. But you do you do belt out this what's going on here. And your voice kind of surprises you. It's like a little more harsh. It doesn't seem kind of as friendly as you're used to it being. You're, you kind of... You know you're a big dude, so a lot of times you think about how that impacts people when you interact yeah. with them, except Pistachio Jones. <laughs> except for Pistachio Jones. <laughs> but, so you kind of present yourself in a much more soft way than you probably would normally have to if you were an average-sized fellow, but that is none of that is happening right now. You almost bark this out as an order, and you hear it echoing in your ears. That it's, it's jarring to you. And you see this group of people immediately all pull their weapons on you all of them uh you see like three more little red dots appear on your chest and the one clearly in charge leans this large assault rifle over his shoulder and he goes wasn't expecting to have company today and in that moment you see him look over his shoulder and kind of laugh a little bit and start to give a signal and you grab from behind your shoulder this very tactical shovel <laughs> and throw it directly into his chest and it pierces right into him and you see him fall to the ground right as the guy next to you starts trying to unload his submachine gun on you but you're too fast you pull out a gun shoot him right in the arm it flinches down you put him in a headlock swing his arm around and the bullets spray against everyone else and you just see this cloud of blood splash against this huge metal door around you book what you see is ocean grab his shovel and hurl it oh. towards one of the men closest to you. Yikes! And this shovel, uh, give me a, uh, give me a act under fire roll. Ocean. Act under fire. Okay. This is the worst possible vision to have in this situation. <laughs> you chose violence. Oh, oh god that's a six a six that's a that is six. a complete failure okay so not only do you throw this shovel you throw this shovel well it's accurate it pierces deep into this guy book you're like two feet away from him and you hear his clavicle just break on the side and he hunkers down to the ground the man closest to you uh ocean you again you don't have your full faculties yet you're still experiencing this vision but the man closest to you pulls out a submachine gun and goes to try to take you down but you wrench his arm you feel it break and you spray these bullets towards the collection of pistachio jones's men uh what do you do book 
This came out of nowhere. You did not give any signal for this to happen. <laughs> that is correct. I did not. And especially this is the opposite of what we were trying to do. <laughs> like at Johnny Hurts, I had like a bit of a not bloodlust, but my blood was pumping, and I was like, we're, "We're doing this, and we're doing it right." And Ocean is the one who actually talked me off of the like overthrow the regime and got me down to the level of let's see how this goes and let's try to keep it peaceful so to see him first uh, bisect a man's chest and then uh, litter our what, what do they call a party where you're like where you're, you're you're all here to like negotiate that there's a word for that right parlay yeah our parlay <laughs> littered our parlay with bullets a million things are racing through my mind first of all like ocean like wor worry for ocean but also like a bit of betrayal but also a, a bit of like you kind of just fucked us over um but it's fine like I, he's still my buddy so i turn to <laughs> my allegiance is still with ocean is i guess what i'm saying so i'm not gonna move against him even though i don't agree with what he did i think when ocean I think when Ocean comes back too, he will also not agree with what he did if it makes I you feel any that. better. I think that's why, like, I know, like, I, oh, man. So I'm torn between two, two directions. I either want to run and try to grab his arm to prevent him from shooting up more people, especially the people who came to help us, or I want to turn to our boxcar boys and just shrug and be like, fuck it. Do you want me to give you a slow motion um, Robert Downey Jr. Sherlock Holmes vision of what's happening right now? Would that help your decision? I don't think so. What I would actually like to do is um, what I'd like to do. Can I read the situation? Yeah. Okay. Probably a good call. That's going to be the same result. But yeah, this is a charged situation. I would say. I would say, yeah. Uh, oh, maybe teetering overcharged <laughs> into already exploded. Yeah. But okay, roll sharp. All right. That's it. Uh, that's a 12. Nice. You get to ask three of those questions right now. Oh, okay. So first one is, uh, what represents the best opportunity for me to de-escalate this situation? And then the next question is, I, I don't even know if I need all three of these, but um, what is my best way through to Ocean? Meaning, what is my how what is my best how how could I best pull him out of this vision? Oh, that's a good question. Thank you. I, it took a minute. <laughs> And then um, it's a great bending of those words. What poses the biggest threat to me slash does ocean pose a threat to me is really what I'm trying oh. to figure out. You can just from those questions, you can tell book is in a very confused headspace. Yeah, because yes. I turned three questions into six, even though I said I only needed <laughs> one of them. I don't want. <laughs> OK, I'm rejecting your reality of this not being a Robert Downey Jr. I'm sure situation that. and still presenting it to you that way. Okay, you look, and you see, as he turns and sprays the submachine gun at people, most of them just go diving out of the way. You see a couple of them, including Pistachio Jones, kind of lean back and start pulling out weapons. Pistachio Jones seems to be simultaneously pulling out a that uh, pistol he wielded before and his radio, And uh, but most of them have jumped around. So when you're looking at de-escalating right now not many of them are fighting back they're just getting out of the way you do see though behind ocean a very excited pair of chaos cultists <laughs> yeah. who are like yes this is going down now 
but they seem to be the only ones really looking to move this situation okay. forward. Everyone else is more in survival mode Got right it. now. At this moment, that can change very sure. quickly. Your best way to get to Ocean, so in a literal sense, you don't know how in control of his faculties he is right now, so you're probably going to want to take approach him from the back. You're going to want to kind of more sneak up on him if you want to get to him safely. That will put you in direct fire from anyone who is going to try to shoot towards him, though. That is definitely true. On a more metaphysical sense, to give you more questions for free, like you were trying to <laughs> fish for, you don't know how different his visions are from when you opened your mind to the psychic maelstrom, but you knew the only thing that got you back was anchoring, anchoring yourself back in the material world. And you actually used Ocean to do that previously. That's true. So you think if if that's how it works, which you don't know, that would be the sort of thing. For whether Ocean still poses a threat to you, from everything you know about Ocean, which has been thrown a little bit to the wind when he just recently <laughs> mentioned he was planning on robbing you the first time you met, but everything you know about Ocean so far is that he would not do something like this. This is way out of character for him. So you know he's either not thinking clearly or the situation is very different than you would expect. And that does not bode well for him treating you well. All right. That's that's fair. Are you going to tell me what the actual biggest threat to me is? It's probably Ocean. All right. That's fair. <laughs> Remember that you take plus one to any rolls you make related to any of those answers. Ooh, I got my heart racing. Oh, yes. really? We forget that very frequently. Are you kidding me? Dude, we we would have had way more successes last episode. Are you fucking kidding me? Anyway, yeah, that's fine. you should probably read the instructions. Sometime. Yeah, I probably should. Okay, so I am going to act on that answer, those answers. Specifically, well, specifically all of them. If I had to choose, I would say all of them. Um, so I should get plus three, I think. No. Just kidding. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to jump, basically jump onto, because I've already handed off the car battery too. So here, actually, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna be a, a nitpicky person here. Like, like book. Hey, I don't think that Pistachio Jones can immediately reach for his gun and his radio because he has a car battery in his hands. So he can drop, okay. he can drop the car battery. Yeah, he's dropping think, that car battery. I think that takes, will take, I can, maybe he's reaching for them. Yeah, you okay. can tell he's reaching for them at this time. Okay. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to basically jump on top of Ocean's arm, the one that's ha that has the, the submachine gun, and I'm basically going to try to use my body weight to drag it down towards the ground away from other people. And while I'm doing that, I'm, I'm yelling for Ocean, but I'm also, um, actually I'm not, I'm not yelling for Ocean. I'm hoping that that will pull his attention away from the vision and everything else, just just that action, I'm hoping that will grab his attention. And what I'm going to say is to the boxcar boys, my buddies, I'm going to say, get that radio. Okay, that's a lot of stuff in one flash, but it's we'll, me jumping we'll deal and yelling. Yeah. People can jump yeah. and yell at the same we'll time. We'll deal with it. Don't worry about it. Okay, we're going to, for the first time, we'll interrupt someone, which is you use your history with Ocean to do this. Ooh, you should have a lot of history with me right now. A lot or none because it rolls over. That is true. What's my history with I you? I have plus one. Okay, that's yeah, I have plus zero, so we must have just rolled over. <laughs> but I get another plus one because I'm acting on information, right? Yes. So it's plus two total to whatever you roll. Uh that's an eight. Okay, so you before you see you see this spray of bullets come out and the clip runs dry and don't at me with clip versus magazine the magazine runs dry ocean with 
surprising dexterity, ejects the magazine, and goes and rips someone grips another one off of the man he was using as a human shield and puts it back in there. But before he can start shooting again, you're there. You're right on top of him. You pull his arm down to the ground. And you're not yelling at him, right? You're yelling at the other ones. Mm-hmm. How this role resolves is I'm saying you're there first. You got there before he was trying to do what he was trying to do. Right. And he'll have to deal with you instead of doing what he is intending to do. Which could have bad consequences for me, hence the partial success, I guess. Ocean, you get plus one history with Book from him using that move. Okay. As you're on the ground, Ocean, you come back out of this vision. You smell gunpowder in the air. You see Book directly on top of you, and you notice there's this submachine gun. You pulled his arm like down to the ground. Oh, and cool. Yeah, he fell with you. He rolled good. Fuck yeah. yeah. So yeah, you were completely there first. He was not expecting anyone coming from that direction. In his vision, that didn't happen, right? So <laughs> That's true. <laughs> that was completely out of the expected realm of him. So you pull him down to the ground, and he snaps out of it. You smell this gunpowder. You feel this hot gun in your hand. You can tell it's just been fired. You're holding on to it, and uh, Book is on top of you. What would you do? So at first, when Book pulls Ocean down, He's going to briefly, like, in his eyes, it just looks like a wild animal. He's just, his nostrils are flaring. He's looking around. And then you notice in the exact moment that it comes to him what's happening, and he's back to his normal self. You just see his expression changes to just, like, one of calm. And then his face goes white, and he looks up at Book. says, Book, what did I do? You can somewhat tell in his eyes that he knows what he did. I look at ocean i'm assuming i feel your grip relax on the submachine gun yeah he relaxes and drops it yeah so i i I push that away from us and i go run you got to get out of here go like uh like um what's that movie with the golden retriever and the kid forrest gump no (laughs) harry and the hendersons no it's like air bud you're ruining this moment (laughs) book uh ocean gets up and runs like air bud Go, like, I'll I'll handle this. Just go. Get out of here. And Ocean is going to stand up and s- bolt off. Just going to bolt off towards the the uh, uh, Subtropolis. Oh, okay. Oh, uh, you hear gunfire behind you um, as you go. And uh, Book, you see there are some of Hickory's men who are shooting towards Ocean, which is roughly in your direction as well. Give me an act under fire. Did the boxcar children react to uh, what I said? They're working there. Cool. <laughs> They're uh, working on it. Is acting for aggro or hard? Uh, it's cool. Even better. Oh fuck yes. Okay, cool. One day you'll be excited to hear that one. That is a nine. You can do it, but there will be a cost, and you can decide if you want to go through with it. Well, it's getting shot at. So you are. Uh, there's a series of bullets coming towards you. Right. Uh, you're going to have to. You have to make a decision to either run away from Pistachio Jones. The only cover you have anywhere near you is this like collapsed trash can that does not look like it would provide very well cover but it's like 10 yards away from away from pistachio jones from where you're at right now Mm -hmm. so it's going to put you at a certain disadvantage for communicating with them kind of resolving this situation but you will not take any fire or you can either stay where you're at or even move towards pistachio jones it's up to you i'm going to move towards pistachio jones okay you walk up and you feel one bullet that was not aimed towards you, but it grazes your trap. And you just feel this hot blood start running down uh, your shoulder. 
it doesn't even burn right now. You're kind of too focused, too much adrenaline uh, pumping through you, but you do take three harm. Three harm. Oh, shit. From one bullet. God damn. It's a hunting rifle. Wow. Okay. Well, that's not ideal. But I'm not going to make you roll harm move. I think you're too focused right now on what you're trying to do. What do you say after that? This blood starts pooling up around your shoulder. I'm going to walk up to Pistachio Jones, and I'm going to say, cut your losses, put your fucking guns down so nobody else gets hurt. Uh, Give me a sway someone. I think that's a confront someone, actually. Sorry. I think that's a great response, too. Not my most skilled. Wait, minus one. So that's an eight. An eight? Yes, another another middle-of-the-road partial success for me. You go, and he does falter for just a second, but you see the Chaos Cultists are also still charging towards him, which is giving him <laughs> putting him in a very perilous situation. Do you want to say anything to them before I resolve this? You can tell that that's the thing that's kind of sticking in his mind as, right. hey, he can't relax. There's three to four people trying to kill him. Well, are they still shooting? Uh, his men are still shooting. The Chaos Cultists are straight up running at him, but one of them has an arm full of grenades. Right, I remember that. And has he pulled the pins yet? Oh, he's pulled all the pins. He's holding them That's what I thought. in his mouth, remember? Right, yeah. to keep the... No, he's literally removed them all from the grenade, but until... Right, until the he releases spring them. gets yeah, undone. Yeah, sure. yeah, but he is also just haphazardly holding them like the too many limes guy. Mm-hmm. So it's like, <laughs> how how secure are all these springs? Right, so I'm going to... How close are we to the precipice, like the overlook of Subtropolis? Uh, Pretty far. Like, if, if you were, like, pro, uh, a mile. Let's give it a distance and say a mile. So, Ocean can run in there in six minutes because he's a strong boy. Right. <laughs> and a little pumped on adrenaline right now. Because, like, we're, we got it. I got it. Okay, so, uh, okay, so I, tur- I turn to the boxcar child with all of the grenades. I turn over my shoulder and I say, stop. Drop those over the precipice. <laughs> he looks very disappointed. He does stop right now, but he does not move towards the precipice. He's he's like, oh. And I say, I'm sorry. I know that you love those grenades, but we can't have them going off here with all these people. Um, since you got a mixed success, Pistachio Jones is going to tell his men. He's going to say, hold fire. And he, but he will. He pulls out his pistol and aims one shot at Ocean running away and shoots do i get a reaction you can try to do something if you okay. want do you want me to roll or wait until he does his reaction well i'm gonna can i use my armor toward for ocean like can i use my cane to try to swat to, the, you can try to interrupt someone well yeah I, i'm gonna try to swat the gun out with down down with my cane okay give me an interrupt someone roll which for him is aggro because you don't have an hx with pistachio jones yet but do i get plus one because i'm using my armor no. Like we have it's to, we weapon. have to have a mechanism for the cane to actually be useful. Is all I'm saying. This is how you wouldn't have been able to safely divert a gun barrel without the cane. So the cane's being useful. Yeah, but not in the <laughs> role. It sh- if it's useful, it should be useful in the role. It's useful by allowing you to make the role. So this is an interrupt someone. <laughs> yes. And I'm wrong. Fuck me. You're, you'll be hearing from my lawyers. <laughs> ha, ha, ha. Ten. Four. That's a full success. <laughs> that is a full fucking success. Four. Ten. Okay. On a ten, you also take plus one forward against them. What does that mean? That means on your next roll against them, you get plus one added to it. Ooh. Okay, with that success, you are ready for it. 
as he pulls this gun out, you, with just a flick, shoot your cane up and hit the barrel right as he's shooting it. And you know that that bullet just goes flying somewhere into a cave uh, into Subtropolis. <laughs> Hopefully not to hit one of your good friends like Vesuvius. But And he looks at you pissed. And uh, you think he may actually react in some very negative way when you hear a car horn start blaring. And it's just like... It's a custom aftermarket horn. Ocean, you hear this? Do you, Are you still just running towards Subtropolis? He is... Yeah, he is still running. I think he is in a trance right now and is just like in a mad panic and does not really, not really in control of himself. I think right now he's acting on instinct and trying to rationalize what he's done in his head. You hear this car horn and you just ignore it. Keep running. Book, you see this Lincoln Continental come tearing around the corner. You notice all of Hickory's men stop. They take a few steps back. Uh, You notice Juniper actually goes back inside. Oh. And as the back door of this opens, you see Hickory Fleek step. Oh shit, the man himself. And I'm not here for it. You see he's wearing these cowboy boots and this big gray suit. He's not quite ocean size, but he's very very large. He's got this not attractive goatee on, but it's very well maintained. Definitely a big boy. And he steps out and he immediately says, "Well, it seems like we have some sort of miscommunication here everyone everyone put your guns down put them down put them down let's let's just talk this through and he walks up directly to you book and he goes heard you on the radio i don't respond he friendly but i'm leaning heavily on my cane because i took three fucking harm (laughs) he oh shit i actually forgot that he friendly clasps your shoulder (laughs) which has a bullet wound in it and you feel this pain as he kind of gives you a little squeeze on the shoulder he goes been a while since i've seen you there can i try something challenging to stay upright to like not show any yeah i don't want to show any weakness that will actually be an act under fire that's to keep it cool so currently in my head i'm casting hickory fleek as uh as a uh the big Lebowski era, Jeff Bridges. No, Jeff Bridges. I thought you were going to say uh, John Goodman. John Goodman would be a perfect fit, too. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. They're very. He's a John Bridges, Jeff Goodman. Yeah, like a mix between the two of them. Like, because Jeff Bridges is a pretty attractive man. So I'm imagining John Goodman Obviously. level kind of awkwardness, but with like Jeff Bridges suave physique. That was a 12. A 12. Okay, yeah, you do not even wince. I also got an improvement, but I'm not going to tell you what I got yet. Okay, you're not going to tell me till it's useful. Well, yeah, because I've been, I've been planning this. Yeah, he squeezes your shoulder, and this is actually the first time you kind of like feel the sharp pain of the bullet in you, but you're able to just keep your composure entirely. And he kind of leans back, and he goes, I'm sorry, everyone, for the confusion. Come, come around, come closer, come closer. And he waves at the people who are kind of more on the outskirts. And you see everyone kind of start huddling around. And he goes, what we have here is just a failure to communicate. And I really apologize for that. This is this is on me. I did not talk to Pistachio very well about the sudden change. I should have had a town meeting and really laid out why these changes were happening. I understand all of your anger. Makes complete sense. But we can't have this. We can't have bloodshed in our streets. And he goes and he looks over and he starts, uh, he kind of scopes the situation out and book, this is the first time you get a good look. And you notice 
the guy with the sh- the shovel in his shoulder is really injured and you see there is one person who is dead from one of the submachine gun bullets but all the other bullets seem to miss one of those someone got like nicked in the neck and fell right behind pistachio jones and he goes this is just unacceptable it is my job to keep keep the order here make sure things like this don't happen but i do take some responsibility for this situation so i'll be the one to make it right it looks like we had kind of two sides going on here due to this miscommunication but i think we can make everything fair let's see we got one person injured and one person dead okay and he pulls out this revolver and he shoots Callista's boyfriend din wallace in the leg and then he turns and points the gun at one of the chaos cultists and shoot him shoots him right in the chest and he falls down do i not count as someone who's injured nope because i think he he, he didn't notice just you wow. just okay so oh that's true you just held it in so well so my full success really uh he could not even tell okay that's fair and yeah one of the cast goes and uh, it's the one who talks less <laughs> falls down and the other one goes tabasco no! <laughs> <laughs> and and tabasco's final word is crash crash no I'll see, I'll see you on the other side, Crash. Which one was holding the grenades? Did did all the uh, crash. grenades just spill out? No. <laughs> crash still has them all. Hickory is not that dumb. And uh, he he goes, he uh, opens his revolver, counts the bullets, uh, puts two more back in it, closes it, and reholsters it. Um, and actually, goes, Stu, if, does his revolver have a safety? Because if it's an Old West revolver, they don't have a safety, so probably he would leave one of them one of the channels and no he would leave he would leave one of the chambers empty so that he would he would pocket it basically with it centered on that chamber so that he couldn't accidentally shoot himself in the leg okay yeah he has better gun knowledge than i do so he does that and <laughs> he he goes it seems like especially i'd like to apologize to you book i it seems like there was a clerical error and your power has been really really wonky lately i assure you we got our best men on it We'll make sure you are up and good, and I I promise you there will be no loss of service for this next month. You'll be completely fine. Uh, then we're going to put you back in the normal rotation, uh, and I, something like this won't happen again. I don't want your charity, Hickory. I want you to tell us, if you're going to take more of our money, what the hell are you going to do with it? You set our prices. You set our taxes. You control the entire economy, and yet you won't let people make a goddamn living. It, it hurts me every day when I see... People struggling in this town. I don't. I wish none of you had to go scavenge and collect things from that cursed city. I wish we had enough here. I wish we had enough food to survive. I wish we could set up good trade routes with other neighboring towns and coalesce into one happy, really more of a family is what I, what I wish we were. But there's been something going on in Subtropolis where we siphon off most of our power and it's been real light lately. We've really had to ration what we can get and I'm hoping, with some investments from each and every one of you, and especially the ones who are able-bodied enough to go out there, face those challenges, and collect things for us, I'm hoping those investments can let us set up our own renewable source of energy in town so we don't rely on siphoning from dangerous locations. How does taking half-dead batteries create a renewable energy source? I can't get into all the specifics with you. It's very complicated, but we are, we're working on, we're trading those. Those are a resource, just like anything else. So you see, society's built on the assumption that you can barter goods and services with each other. 
We're hoping to be able to barter. Those you goods don't have and services to explain specialization and trade to oh. me, Hickory. What I want to know is... Oh, okay. You've read about that one? If you're not even reinvesting those batteries back into our community, then you should at least tell us who they're going to. I will keep everyone in the loop as we get this infrastructure stood up. I'm going to need help. I'm not... Me and uh, some of my men here aren't going to be laying all this groundwork, setting up the infrastructure ourselves. The people are going to be involved in it. How about I promise we will have a town hall, the one I should have set up before all this anyway. Let's have that town hall exactly five days from now. That kind of appease, appease all of you? And he looks and <laughs> Den Wallace is like on the ground in pain, <laughs> like holding on to his leg. He looks at him. He doesn't give him any sort of sign back. Uh, he turns towards some of the other people and they kind of shrug their shoulders. And he looks at you, Book. I... I lean in close to Hickory's ear, and I say... He smells like cheeses. He cheeses? smells like what? Rich cheeses. Rich wow. cheeses. Fucking gorgonzola up in this shit. Which doesn't smell good, by the way. Most rich cheeses smell like crap, so that actually checks out. Yeah. I lean in really close to his ear, and I say, You might be able to charm your way out of this one, but at the end of the day, you're going to find out what these people really want is accountability. And then I break his grasp on my shoulder... And I start walking away towards Den Wallace to tie um, basically my belt around his leg as a tourniquet. Okay. I think if the, if you focus on that for the rest of this, then you're going to be able to at least like stabilize him in a good way. Okay. Without a roll. Is that okay? If you want to try to do something quicker, then I'm going to make sure. No, I think I'm I'm taking my time. I'm assuming that, that Hickory is de which is like Hickory did what I wanted to do. He de-escalated. So I'm, I'm letting this happen, but I'm going to try to treat den wallace i'm assuming that uh tabasco is dead unfortunately yes he's very sad. dead uh hickory gets back in the lincoln continental backs it up and rolls away and pistachio is still like super flustered over there he's like what the fuck just happened <laughs> and he's like collecting his men checking on the guy who's dead and like taking shit from his pockets uh, eventually people just slowly start clearing out and it's left with just you and den wallace i'm sorry i didn't I didn't know he was going to do that. And I'm talking I'm talking about Ocean, not Hickory. Oh man, it's Yeah, it's 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 not a problem. I knew what I was getting into when I came. Yeah, that was a really Oh god, that burns. That was a really impassioned plea you gave, man, and I completely like I'm with you that whole way. I I take a bullet for you again. That means a lot. And I I help him to his feet and I say, "Let's get you patched up for real." And I start uh, helping him basically limp towards the broken leg okay huh. funny <laughs> well i figure for one poetic irony the name but also i yeah. figure that um juniper has some medical supplies that other people probably don't yeah okay back at ocean you are sprinting <laughs> dank air just blowing past you as you sprint and you reach right to the precipice and you see this city uh revealed in front of you this right now the lights are all off on it it's dark ominous what do you do? He's going to stand there for a few seconds. He's going to put his hands on his knees and he's just going to start panting. He's just going to stand out over the edge and look out. Um, Give me a sharp roll, actually. Just sharp? Yep. Okay, that's a nine. You look over Subtropolis and it's very foreboding right now. For some reason, it looks like normally it's a pretty exciting place for you. Like, you, you found a lot of cool shit in there, and you like, even though you hate the danger, you like some of the cool shit that's down there. Um, but right now, it seems extra foreboding, like a, just a bad place to go. And uh, you, some of the lights start coming on. It looks like it must be about noon right now. <laughs> and some of the lights start flickering on, and you can see just on the edge of your vision, 
that manhole cover that you popped out of before, the manhole is off. Huh. Huh. Okay. That's going to kind of snap him out of it. He's going to kind of look out. Do I see anything trailing from where the manhole cover is? Yeah, I'm going to pull out my binoculars and take a closer look at that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, you see this smearing of blood and about up near some of the buildings kind of further away from it you see the fully bisected body of that uh one of crandall's men who was following you that lady with the uh submachine gun with the giant scope oh shit so i'm guessing that was probably she's there hmm interesting you should probably grab that gun how far away is that uh, it's not far. It is down all those switchbacks, which is annoying, but it would give you some time to move yeah. away. <laughs> uh, he's going to head that direction. He's going to head that way towards uh, towards where that body is. Yeah, there and back, like, leisurely going will probably take you, like, almost an hour. It's not a far distance, like, you can see it, but just going all the way up and down, or down and up. He's going to do that because he needs time to clear his head. He wants to, needs something to focus on to kind of clear his head for the state that he was in. Back at the broken leg. So I'm assuming Den Wallace is on a bar table with me and Juniper pouring over his leg. Is Spade there? Yes, Spade is there. Uh, Spade is still in their booth. Juniper is helping tend to this, and he has a radio out, and he's trying to call for help from one of the local doctors, um, but hasn't gotten a response back yet, actually. Um, so he's doing his best. He's he's taken some like alcohol and poured it right on that gun wound. Is it? Uh, did it go straight through? Is his uh, not his carotid? What is what is the leg? The leg vein. Femoral. Yeah. Yeah. The femoral artery. Jacob? It is indeed. <laughs> is his is his femoral artery uh, hit? No, his femoral seems fine. He's got a good femoral. You check it out. It's hanging on tight. Cool. Um, but the bullet is still in there. Okay. I'm gonna assume. Okay. So. In a in a bar, you know those like real skinny mixing spoons. Yeah, I am going the ones to, that clink a lot. Yeah, I'm gonna grab two of those, and uh, while the tourniquet is still on, I'm gonna try to extract the bullet. Okay, this is going to be trying something challenging. All right, let's do that. Also, I have a bullet in me or through me. <laughs> it's through you. Yeah, yours isn't in you. And mine does not. So a nine a nine in the countdown clock does not heal with time right yep you need medical attention as well okay yeah that was a five not so hot yep not so good you go and you try you try to get it out but he is wincing too much he doesn't have any painkillers or anything with him and the second you touch any of that skin around there it seems like the shock has started to wear off and he even with juniper trying to hold him down you're not able to get into it i'm not gonna say you make it worse but he's certainly in uh bad shape Juniper, at this time, as you're hunkered over him, he notices your shoulder bleeding heavily too. Yeah, I was going to say, I think about this time is when my adrenaline falters and I maybe just collapse, but I'm still conscious. Yeah, okay, yeah, you kind of slump down, especially seeing all this blood everywhere. Not a great sight. And um, I think Book is fine with the blood. I think it's more him trying to use both hands and one of his shoulders, the tendons and the muscle just being shredded is not, uh, not, is very painful. I'm going to say you kind of fade out, and when you come to, you're laying on the bar, actually. He's, you look over, and your vision clears, and you're, you look over, and Din Wallace is still laying on that table, but he's actually kind of up on his elbows, and his leg's getting wrapped uh, by, you see, uh, this man with long, long gray hair. He's like a Willie Nelson type. And Ooh. you... 
a Man, feather I came tied up with to that. I came up with that when I was more than halfway through that sentence. Nice. <laughs> and he's uh, wrapping it up, uh, and you see, you notice that your shoulder is like completely numb. Your arm, you actually can't move it, but okay. it, not in a very concerning way, in more of a you have some local anesthetic, very heavily. And you hear him, and he looks up, and he goes, "Yeah, I got, I got the bullet out, and uh, I, I think you're gonna." You're gonna start feeling better soon. I, I gotta get some stitches on you still. Uh, you should you should lean back. Do not use that shoulder. I'm not gonna fight him. You're okay. But I, I look. I do. I recognize his face. Is what I want to know. Yeah, you you've probably interacted with him on a small amount. Okay. His name is Maple. Juniper comes up to you and he goes, uh, sh- "Do you want me to try to radio Ocean, or send someone after him?" I shake my head. I'm wincing and I shake my head. And I say, I'll, f- I'll find him. I'm the one who needs to do it. Okay. If you think so, I don't know how soon you're going to be able to get out of here. But, uh, well, after you get him, you should come back and talk with me. I think we got some stuff we got to figure out. I lock eyes with him and I say, I think we do. Am I able to, has he finished stitching me up? Yeah. Well, zoom forward towards after you got your stitches in him. Okay. You have, you're lacking a little mo- mobility in your arm. Uh, you can bring yourself back to six o'clock harm okay seeing spade has rekindled that very deep need to give her something still leaning on my cane i stumble towards her booth they look you and go seems like you've had a rough day i got something for you oh well what is it what you you finally tracked down that information you promised me Something like that. And I lean towards her. I put like, basically I have one arm. My right arm is leaning on my cane. My left arm is leaning on the corner of the table. And I'm like hunched over. Basically, you know, like when Aragorn comes back after everyone thought he died and he pushes those doors open. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's how I'm picturing myself. Just very sexy. (laughs) (laughs) But more. Let me know if I need to roll for that. Uh, But bleeding um, a lot. And I use... My new improvement, Whispering Truth. Ooh. And I say to her, you know the psychic maelstrom, right? More than you could even imagine. I don't know about that. I think I might know something about it that you don't. I find that incredibly hard to believe. And I lean in. It was made by humans. What do you mean? And we fade to black. Ooh. It's a pretty good one. That's really good. What Whispering Truth does is they become fixed upon it or me. So they either become fixed upon that truth and intent upon pursuing it to its conclusions, abandoning abandoning their commitments, they change their threat type if necessary, or they become fixed upon you, your devoted disciple, abandoning other commitments, they change threat type if necessary interesting i don't think you have to tell me which happens though yeah they lean back and they go and you believe that i don't believe it i know it i can tell here have a seat and they order a drink and they're going to talk to you for a little bit let's jump back over to ocean okay you've made it back to the top of the switchbacks with your shiny new (laughs) submachine gun so you now have a shotgun and a submachine i'm getting loaded here so now that he's had some time to clear his head, he is wanting to go home. So he is going to go to uh, his house, specifically the spider. And he's going to open it up, sit down in the cockpit and turn on the mixtape that uh, Crandall gave him. 
And as he's doing, she asks me, son, when I grow. As he does that, uh, I imagine that and he's he fucking got... cries his eyes out. <laughs> Somebody stole my car radio, and now I just sit inside. <laughs> um, what I was gonna say is he's gonna pop open his uh, glove compartment, pull out a cigarette, put it in his mouth, and light it up. And he's just going to stare off, listening to the music, and go, what the fuck is going on with me? Uh, and he's going to confront himself. He's going to try to confront, was that him? Did he do what is his true nature? Was that is that how he is? Is it just this violent thing? Or is he going to think that there's maybe something more, that there's something in his past that he just can't quite get a hand on that will explain why he's the way he is? And maybe was that a memory or, or was somebody, you know, influencing him? Yeah. You light that cigarette and you hear the dulcet tunes of 21 Pilots blaring in. It switches to one of the sadder songs. <laughs> and you look at yourself in the rear view mirror of the spider and you just make eye contact with someone that I, you're not sure if you can yeah. recognize or not. I'm going to have you roll a confront someone. I'm going to roll confront. Confronting yourself. So I guess what will happen here is on the confront myself, then I'm going to be like, yeah, I guess this is a part of me that I got to kind of rationalize and I'll fail. He's going to completely reject it and be like, no, that's false. That wasn't a real memory. I don't understand what's happening. Somebody is messing with my brain. And that's how he's going to register. And I don't this. know which one I want to happen. I more. know. That's how I'm going to rationalize it. So on a fail, he refuses to believe that that was him. And he thinks that somebody is tampering with his brain. And on a true, he's going to do some more self-respect, uh, self-reflection. And this is my aggro, so I have minus one. <laughs> oh, great. That's a five. So, yep, he does not believe that was him. He believes that somebody is messing with his brain. He's in denial. And with that improvement marked, and with that situation having occurred, I'm going to get plus one aggro. <laughs> Okay, I'm going to say then, I'm going to take a little bit out of your hands and say you punch that rear yeah, view mirror. Yeah, knock it right off. I like that. Just Ooh, I like in that. frustration, I like just a lot. clocks it and breaks it. The knuckles are bleeding a little bit, but he's just going to ignore trying it. trying to hold on mm -hmm. to your more peaceful self, you unleash your aggro. Mm. Okay, uh, Book, you're on your feet. You've had a couple drinks with Spade. Uh, they've told you a little bit about themselves not much and it seems like they're opening up a little bit to you but they say they've come into town that they're trying to track down uh some things that came through here at some point they are very cagey about any of the additional details of that you've got you think you've gotten as far as you could possibly get with them in my previous conversation with spade after my previous conversation with spade i used turn presence and i saw that she needed my help did we discuss that at all uh, would you have brought that up specifically? No. Yeah, no. I think I, w I would have let her... Uh, so I guess I'm asking if she brought it up. No. Okay. You still feel that, though. I'm, I'm saying, like, your your stern presence isn't necessarily, like, a flash-in-the-pan type thing. Right. Like, you still get that feeling even after they've opened up more to you. They're definitely still hiding stuff. They are very dismissive on any, like, follow-up questions, but they've said that they're in town for at least a while now, only working at Junipers to keep money flowing in, and that they're trying to track... Some, they say something, not even someone, or exactly what it is. They said something came through this town in the last couple of years that they're trying to track down. Interesting. Okay. 
Um, that certainly sounds like a mystery that I, I that I would be interested in. Given that information, I think I certainly want to heal up. I want to digest that. But I think more than anything, what pulls me away from that conversation is I I realize that I've been you know that I that I've been neglecting Ocean when he really needs me, and so I make my you know I make my excuses and I get up and I as I walk out I turn to Juniper Juniper and I say I'll be back soon for our talk. Sounds good. See you in a few. And Book, thinking that his friend Ocean ran far and deep into Subtropolis, is going to walk in that same direction. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. If you would like to hear a special bonus books nook, stick around after the outro music. I assure you it is a complete waste of time, as I'm not involved. Don't touch that dial for the next seven days or however much time until Wednesday from when you listen to this, because we will be back Wednesday morning for our next episode. Music and editing is performed by Stu Masterson. Brady McDonough makes the logo and artwork and Jacob is available for any roadside assistance. Love you, bye. Oh shit, one second. Oops, I'll be back. Welcome to Oops, I'll Be Back. I'm your host, Brady McDonough, because Stu Masterson just said, oops. I'll We're hijacking the podcast. We're taking this is over. A new, this is a new segment called Oops, I'll Be Back. We're going to call it, it's entirely just book snook, actually, now. We're just going to talk about esoteric shit like we did in episode five the whole time. No, I think Oops, I'll Be Back should be exclusively Terminator talk, which is another I'll be back. That is, we could tie this into a book snook. Talk about Terminator and how they all got bad after two. Yeah, I think that's really all there is to say, unfortunately. Yeah.